With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Scooped up. This is going to be a Hawkeye touchdown. Right through. And the Hawkeyes have stunned the Wolverines. Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Spoko Radio. I am not DC, but I am Jerry Sherwin. Joining me on the other side and Sweet Home Chicago, it's the People's Champ. Champ, how are you today? I am wonderful, excited to talk a little Iowa hoops, football, wrestling, whatever comes to mind for us tonight, and it's going to be beautiful. Sad DC isn't joining us, but... It seems like it's been me and the rotating cast of either you and J- you and DC the last couple weeks. So it's it's true. I got a uh, new puppy, and his name, as everybody has seen on Twitter, is Kinnick Kirk Ferentz Sherwin, and he has taken me away last week. So I was dealing with him a little bit, trying to get him up to speed with the crate training, potty training, and learning how to sit. And he has already mastered all those things. And DC tonight has a work adventure in New York City. I believe he has not left his hotel all day long so shouts to dc who has had the worst day out of all of us yeah that does not sound fun i got to see little kinnick for all our listeners and damn he's a cute little puppy so it's gonna be a nice little adventure for you jerome and your lovely wife he is a cute little puppy, and he's also 2-0 and since coming home. He got to watch a beautiful Iowa wrestling duel against Penn State on Friday night, and then Iowa come back and beat Illinois at home. We are going to touch on both of those things, but champ, before we get there, I have an outside zone for you that I did not tell you about before the start of the show that talks a little bit about football because this would not be Spoko Radio if we did not at least bring up Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz, Phil Parker at some point in the show. So, Champ, are you ready for the question? Yes, sir. Today we learned that D'Antonio, our boy who we seem to never get his name right, is out at Michigan State. So my question for you is, would you rather Phil Parker take the job but Kirk Ferentz also retires – or would you let rather Brian Ferentz go and take that job? Phil Parker stays, but Kirk Ferentz stays as well. Mm, that's a tough question. You because know, you're a Brian Ferentz guy now. Because I've changed my tune on Brian Ferentz, so now I think you're trying to lead me to answer that question in that way. It's tough, but as much as I have changed on my Brian Ferentz love, I can't let Phil Parker go. I mean, he's just too important for this defense. What he's done with the cast of characters he's had over the years, it doesn't seem to matter. You know, the guys, the names on that defense, they're always productive. They're always, you know, a top unit in the Big Ten and even the nation. This year they were a top ten unit in the nation and I think the second in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I mean, they're with Phil Parker, you know what you're going to get on the defensive side of the ball. 
Brian Ferentz has shown flashes on the offensive side of the ball. Don't get me wrong, but I think uh, Phil Parker is the more proven guy right now. So if I had to choose one to leave, it would unfortunately be Brian Ferentz. I know you're not going to like that answer, Jerome, but that's what I got for you. No, that's exactly what I expected, but I think the the bigger point here is this is going to be a very telling thing about whether or not Phil Parker is truly happy with being a defensive coordinator. I think we talk about it quite a lot that there is a, a couple of main assistant coaches that at this point just enjoy being part of Kirk Ferentz's staff. They know what they've built there. They have all the freedom in the world to run the program how they choose. Phil Parker being one of those guys, he's, his defense and him are alone. They could do whatever they want. Whatever Phil Parker sees fit is what they're doing. If he wants to go to a 3-4, 4-3, wants to go dime, nickel, cash, you know, whatever – Kirk Ferentz is giving him the freedom to do that. And it'll be interesting to see if he's going to start popping up in the names like with guys like Luke Fickle um, and even you know Matt Campbell, who is kind of being already talked about as possible fill-ins for the Spartans. But Phil Parker deserves to be in that conversation. I am just curious to see if he gets a call and if he takes that call. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You mentioned some of the other names that have been associated. I read today uh, the 49ers defensive coordinator also. He started his coaching career. Uh, under D'Antonio at Michigan State, so he's another name to look for. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, D'Antonio's been there forever. Uh, he's been kind of a staple for the Spartans, so it's going to be – and this is kind of late in the game for them to find a new coach, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, whose the names are and who they eventually hire. Are you talking about the guy that look, kind of looks like Jason Taylor? Yes, the ball <laughs> – I'm blanking on his name right now, but, yeah, he's, like, jacked up. He was all fired up. For much of that Super Bowl until uh, Patrick Mahomes decided to turn it on there the last seven minutes or so and win that game for the Chiefs. But, yeah, he's he's a name I read today. Robert Sala? Sala, Sala. Sala? Yeah. Yep. There you go. Well, we are going to be watching that that hiring closely. It has a lot to do with the Big Ten Conference, and I'm sure we'll have some sort of reaction once we hear who the actual name is going to be to fill in up there. Uh, whoever it is going to take that job, it's going to be a very difficult road coming up and trying to rebuild that program, I think, at least right now in the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, they, they had another, you know, not a very good season this year. The last two years they've struggled specifically on the offensive side of the ball. I think this hire – they should try to bring in someone with an offensive mind. I've heard a lot of defensive-minded names, which I guess is one way to go, but their, their offense has struggled the last two, three, four years, so they need to uh, get some influx on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, homeboy sold his soul to uh, win that Big Ten championship game against Iowa, and ever since then, Michigan State has fallen apart. Um, at least he cashed a big, fat check before he left the program. Yeah, nice $4.5 million bonus uh, a week ago that he got before he leaves. Well, Champ, I think that's all we need to really talk about about football right now because we have a top 25 basketball program that continues to shock us all in the ways they continue to find victories from on the road to at home, Fran McCaffrey's dealing with the smallest deck he's ever played with, and somehow he's making it work all behind Luca Garza, who I know you guys spent a lot of time talking about last week in my absence. But I want to bring up the Illinois game. 
in my opinion, the, the, the cards were stacked against Iowa walking in there. They just got a terrible defeat against Maryland. Luca Garza barely was able to get going in that game. Right off the top, right off from the tip, the refs seemed to be – there was no home cooking at all. The refs were horrendous. Illinois fans are upset about it. Iowa fans were irate about it. But everything was stacked against them. It was a game that normally I feel like they lose. This is the start usually of the February slide. But Fran McCaffrey and his boys, they kicked that thing right in the nuts. Champ, what was your instant reaction from the Illinois game, and what do you take from that uh, that victory? Uh, I mean, it was a huge win, like you said. And like me and DC talked about last week, we talked about what was going to stop this February you know, drought, the fan, Fran February drought or whatever the hell we called it last week. What was going to stop it? And I told him two words, and it's Luca Garza. And he came up huge again against Illinois. Not only was he banging down low against uh, Kofi Coburn, who had probably his worst game of the year, by the way. Luca Garza guarded him tremendously throughout that game, got him into foul trouble. I think he only had six points total for the game. Not only was Luca doing that on the defensive side of the ball, but he was pounding down low. And then he hit four threes, including the nail in the coffin with about a minute 20, minute 10 left to go in that game to put Iowa up seven. Huge three-pointer. The crowd was going ballistic. Luca was as fired up as I've seen him all year, getting the crowd into it. I think he yelled, this is my fucking house, or something of that nature, as he was running down the court, <laughs> pounding his chest. The emotion was there. It was an awesome win. Uh, and, yeah, it was huge. I mean, not only beating Illinois, another Tier 1 victory that, you know, we would love to get. I think we're now tied for first in the entire nation in Tier 1 victories throughout the season. Uh, gets us within a game of first place in the Big Ten as well, which who coming into this year, if you would have told me, you know, more than halfway through the Big Ten season that we'd be within a game of first place, I think we all would have been very, very happy to talk about that for sure. 100%. And then that was even before the Jordan Bohannon hip news came out that we, we kind of broke over here, not to toot our own horn or brag or anything. But um, <laughs> no, for sure. Like I said, I, I tweeted about it um, right after the game. But I'm a little disappointed that Fran McCaffrey isn't being mentioned in more uh, Coach of the Year type conversations. What he has done is nothing short of masterful. I, I mean, I think that's the perfect word to use. His own son is out still dealing with illness. He, his best player going into the season was only able to give it a go for a few games. Then he has to go out. Now he's tweeting really weird things on his Twitter that basically kind of just the rest of us are reading into as he's leaving. We have Luca Garza, who is a decent player but unproven. None of us expected him to be the player I think he is right now, champ. Even you, who wanted him to be a wolf, didn't expect player of the year type wolf. No, not at all. I mean, you're you're exactly right in terms of Fran McCaffrey. Uh, and let's talk about let you know the elephant in the room with this Illinois Iowa game. Another great job by Fran, Fran McCaffrey. I think at the end of that game, we kind of know what happened at the end. You know, Iowa was da- was up seven. They rebounded the ball, um, and Illinois event, Underwood on the sideline was trying to call off the guys not to pressure, not to foul. His players didn't see that. Iowa then led on through a deep pass, which led to a dunk to put him up 10 uh, with like just over 10 seconds to go. Some of the dipshit Illinois assistant coaches didn't like that very much when they were shaking hands, and Fran just pulled his guys away and said, we're not going to get into a fight. Absolutely moronic. Underwood, after the game, said that he had no problem with it, but of course his idiot assistants had to get loud and then 
uh, what ensued on Twitter with me and with other Iowa fans arguing with these idiot Illinois fans, and I don't know what the hell they were talking about, but another great job by Fran again to pull his guys away there and do a great job, you know, after the game sold. None of his guys got into that position where they'd have to, where they'd be suspended for future games for getting into an altercation, a stupid altercation with the Illinois players and their assistant coaches. Ultimately, in my opinion, he saved two people by making them pull to the sideline. One being probably Luca Garza because he, like you mentioned already, he was so jacked up and so juiced up. That dude was getting beat the hell up, and he's gotten beat the hell up this entire season. I think he's using his frustration in a good and positive way by being so dominant, but you can tell sometimes that he just wants to let loose. And Cockburn, for what he is and what he isn't, he got owned that entire game. But like you mentioned already, he did pick up a couple personal fouls. Some of them were quite hard. And honestly, that was probably frustration on his part because Cockburn's got to be one of the most difficult names to pull off in middle school of all time. That kid definitely got picked on for at least five to ten years. I'm pretty sure it is Coburn, but Doesn't it is matter. Spelled, it's spelled Cockburn. 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 So, yeah, I'm, it could – I mean – Luckily, I don't think there's a lot of guys trying to mess with him because he's seven foot, 290 pounds of chiseled man. So I don't think a lot of those high school kids are running their mouths because Kofi would shut them the fuck up real quick. So that probably helped him out a little bit. But yeah, couldn't couldn't have been an easy name to grow up with for sure. I would love to know what he would look like in fifth grade because if he was a ginormous kid in fifth grade, maybe he did get away from that. But the number two person that France saved by having that type of composure, which he's had this entire season, we have not really seen the type of Fran McCaffrey that we're used to in frustrating moments. But he saved his son, who was, again, and you didn't mention it earlier, champ, but he needs to be mentioned right now. He was an integral part of Iowa winning this game. Connor McCaffrey hitting three threes is probably, in my opinion, more important than Luca's threes. Because yeah. those are three-pointers that we do not expect going into every single game. And without them, Iowa probably loses against Illinois. He played 38 minutes again. He's always on the floor. He's a dog out there. He's always arguing with officials. And the fact that he was able to also give us some sort of offensive output, like they're leaving him open for a reason. I get that. But when he can actually nail down, if he shoots five of them and he can nail down two or three, that's that Keith Bogans rule that we keep talking about. That's going to continue to escalate Iowa into the winning category over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he had three big threes. They won by seven points, so there is your difference right there. Yep. Those nine points that Connor McCaffrey gave to this Hawkeye team were huge. And he's. we continue to tout the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over. He is first in the nation – an assist-to-turnover ratio at 4.18 a game. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. For every four assists, he has one turnover. That rate is continuing to be great. He's the best passer to Luca Garza throughout the year, throughout his you know Iowa career. And if he can knock down – if he scores any sort of points for us, it's an added bonus. Like you said, it's that Keith Bogans effect. We tried to start – the Bakari Evelyn three-point tracker. <laughs> ah, I don't think he's hit, I don't think he's hit the rim since we started talking about him hitting threes, let alone made a three. I mean, some of those Bakari is he's gonna need to step it up. As a senior, he's gonna have to play a lot better. He hasn't been very good, but I mean, yeah, Connor McCaffrey's been awesome. Even in that Maryland game, he was solid. I know we lost that game, but Connor played pretty well in that game, was you know, tur- not turning the ball over there either. And that's what you gotta ask for. 
Who do you think you'd rather see get more minutes down the stretch through this the rest of February into March? Cordell Pemsel or Bakari Evelyn? I knew you were going to say Cordell <laughs> Pemsel. I can neither be an answer. Can we go to a what would that be? We'd have to go to a six-man rotation then with Ryan Creener as pretty much your only bench option. I know that's not. Do you realistic. count Riley Till? Mm, I mean, Riley did get in. He, <laughs> he against Maryland and against Illinois. He played. I think Maryland. He gave us like five actually solid minutes against Maryland when Creener uh, and Garza were both in foul trouble in the first half. But I mean, if gun to my head, it's still going to be Bakari because he's you know at least shown. At some, you know, a few games this year that he can score in double digits. Uh, Cordell Pemzo, when he scored four points against Illinois, I was in utter shock. I couldn't believe that he actually did that. But, yeah, give me uh, Bakari if, if I had to choose one to get meaningful minutes. If I were to ask you who had the most assists against Illinois between Ryan Creener, Cordell Pemzo, and Bakari Evelyn, who would you guess? I'm going to say Cordell Pemzo because I think he had like three or four early. <laughs> he had four assists. Yeah, I mean, he that was his best game of the year. I think he had like eight <laughs> or nine boards, four points, four assists. I mean, nope. that's not two exactly boards, four assists, two turnovers, one foul. That was it. No oh, points. Two boards. He didn't. Yeah, he scored against Illinois or Pemsel? was that Maryland? Eh, it might have no. been Maryland. I might be confusing no. the two. I don't know if you remember this or not, but they ran it on the bottom that it was like Illinois bench points twenty five to Iowa zero, and oh, Iowa yeah. got Iowa, that was the <laughs> Illinois game was when they were benched in score. Yeah, you're right. Correct. It was it was against Maryland where I think he had because he had to play in the first half a lot because of the foul trouble here. I'm going back. Yeah, he had four points and eight rebounds against Maryland. That was <laughs> like I said his. That was the game I was confusing the two. He that where he had his best uh, offensive performance. Absolutely. All right. The Illinois champ. game is where he took the guy off the dribble, and everybody went crazy because he thought we were actually going to score. <laughs> it would have been the best move of his career, and then he blew the layup. And they blew the layup. Correct. Yes. Hundred yeah. percent. Champ. So, anything else on the Illinois game that you want to touch on? I know you were very, very heated. You had a couple of Twitter conversations with uh, buddies of ours from the 108. Uh, one of them being a big time Illinois fan. Do you have anything else to close up the Illinois game with? Yeah, shout out to my Sox summer from the 108. We had a heated discussion about uh, the end of that game. He was sending me videos of Underwood calling off the dogs. I was sending him videos of two guys running at Connor McCaffrey, <laughs> not really calling off the dogs. It was all in good fun. But, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, it was ridiculous that – the assistant coaches were getting loud about that. Uh, really stupid, honestly. What do you want the guy to do? You're you're trying to press. You're trying to foul. You just want him to stand there and get you know trapped or make the pass and get an easy dunk out of it. I thought it was a lot to do about nothing, and Fran did a good job of, uh, like I said, containing his guys and not getting into any altercations. Absolutely. Now, Champ, a couple things here still on basketball. Right now, do you know what I was sitting at in ESPN's Bracketology? Uh, I, the last time I looked, they were a five seed. Did they move up to the four line? They have not yet, but if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that Iowa would go into a five seed into the tournament this year, there's all of us would have taken that bet that they wouldn't. 
Yeah, I would like. I mean, right? If they're, I think I made a. It was either last week or the week before where my bold prediction is they're going to be a four seed, uh, at least a four seed, and not only the Big Ten tournament but the NCAA tournament. I'll take a five seed. Pretty much a four or five is not much different of a road. You're going to end no. up having to play either the four or five most likely in the Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight. So either of those options work for me. Let's uh, let's do it. So let me just read through this. The, right now, I was slotted in the Midwest bracket. Again, this is from ESPN's for so Joe Lenardi. Right now in their bracket, I'll just give you like the top teams right now. And I want to I want I just want your opinion on who if any, they they will absolutely lose to. Okay? Okay. The first seed, Kansas. Second seed, Louisville. You got the third seed as Michigan State. Fourth seed, Auburn. Fifth seed, Iowa. Sixth seed, Arizona. Yeah, none of those teams scare me. I'm me not, to neither. be honest, I think Kansas is so overrated. I've watched Agreed. them play a lot this year. I think Iowa can beat Kansas. You pound down... Luca Garza down low against McCormick and those other Azabuki. You get those guys in foul trouble. I think Iowa can beat Kansas. Michigan State, we're going to see where they're going to match up with them in a couple weeks. That's going to be a nice test. Maybe another matchup in the Big Ten tournament, so we'll know about them. Auburn, their guards are very good. I know you're a big Auburn guy, but they have nothing down low pretty much. I mean, and they, yeah, they haven't looked good lately. And who was uh, the two seed? Louisville. Louisville, yeah, I mean, Louis. That would probably be the team that would give me the most fear out of those teams that you mentioned. I've watched Louisville a couple times. I think they're a damn good team, but yeah, there's none of those teams are like, oh, that's a for sure loss. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really see anybody in college basketball, honestly, that Iowa playing on a neutral court is like, yeah, that's a that's a for sure loss. I don't see them beating them. That's just how open I think college basketball is this season. No, 100%. And the fact that I was going through the Big Ten where these other teams are going through conferences that are not as difficult as what they're playing through right now, I think it's going to play to their advantage once they get into the tournament. If I do know one thing, it's that if Iowa were somehow to match up with Kansas, Azubuke is going to be in foul trouble within five minutes against Luka Garza because that dude cannot move his feet. And Luka going outside, inside, on the post, moving around, there's no way he's going to be able to keep up. And the minute that he goes out, all of a sudden Iowa has a big-time advantage because Luka Garza better be the player of the year, 100%. I didn't get to touch on it last week. This dude is the most – this guy is the best Iowa Hawkeye player I have seen since I started watching them in 2006. Yeah, that's not even a he's gonna he might go down as the best Iowa Hawkeye player ever. I mean, let's be honest. Right now, who is it? Probably BJ Armstrong. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love BJ, but I, if Luca keep, continues on this path and stays through next year, I think he's gonna go down as the best ever. I think Roy Marble gets some love. I think what is it, Horner uh gets also some credit too. He was pretty good back in 05. He was. But, that was my freshman year at Iowa. That was a fun team. They, that's last time they won the Big Ten tournament was my freshman year there. That's way too damn long. Get to Saturday. That's all I want. All right. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, it's our favorite game champ between you and I. It's prediction time. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about the rest of the schedule in the regular season for Iowa. I want you to tell me what they're going to finish So throughout those games. So coming up tomorrow or coming last – this is in the future. So we played Purdue yesterday. Hopefully, and we probably did win. For all of you guys, we're recording on Tuesday, so our apologies. So we have Purdue. 
Then we have Nebraska on Saturday, which you are 88% for sure going to go watch live. Yeah, if, if any of our uh, lovely listeners have a couple seats they want to sell me for uh, Saturday's game, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I would love to buy a couple seats. They're crazy expensive right now on uh, StubHub. Iowa remaining home games all sold out, I think, except for... Purdue. That's the only one that isn't sold out. I, I just read, I think, today. Yeah, crazy. Okay, and then at Indiana, at Minnesota, home against Ohio State, at Michigan State, home against Penn State, home against Purdue, at Illinois. It's a murderer's row, if you were to ask me. There's a lot of very good Big Ten basketball teams and a lot of road matchups, which, if you've been paying attention, most teams tend to lose on the road in the Big Ten this year. So, Champ, tell me what you think I was going to finish in those final games. There's nine games remaining, and I think Iowa is going to go 6-3 and three in those nine games. I think their three losses will be at Michigan State, at Purdue and at Minnesota, I think they're going to win their other six games. I think two of the they're. It's hard to win in the on the road of the Big Ten. They have five five road games left. I think they win two of those. They lose the other three, uh, and I think they go six and three. That would put them at thirteen and seven overall in the Big Ten, and I think that would be good enough for a for uh, a double buy in getting one of those top four seeds. God, that would be beautiful. And if you guys are listening to this this morning and Iowa just smoked the shit out of Purdue, make sure you hit up at Shy People's Champ and let him know that he's a moron. I also think they're going to go 6-3. and three. I do not think they're losing to Purdue. In fact, I'm predicting that Iowa's actually winning. So if you hear this again on Thursday morning, you can go ahead and bless me. I think Iowa's <laughs> going to probably more than likely lose to Michigan State on the road. Tough place to play. Izzo, the whole gamut. Plus, I love watching Sparty at – I love watching games at, at Michigan State. So, whatever. That's our road game. I don't think they're going to beat Illinois at Illinois. I think that final game of the season, it's going to be a revenge game. Underwood's going to get those guys jacked up. And if you don't think that the players want to play hard after that incident themselves, you have another thing coming. Iowa better bring it that game. But, again, hard to win on the road. It's going to be a revenge match. This is We've already got bulletin board material after this last one. I also think that Iowa's probably going to lose to Penn State. I just feel like after coming on at like a road game at Michigan State, it's a letdown game coming back home. Penn State had our number earlier in the season. It's one of those weird Saturday at noon games that I think players don't like playing in as from the get-go. So those are going to be the three games I think Iowa's going to lose. I, I just don't see them. I know they lost to DePaul earlier this year, but I don't. I think they're going to win out at home in the Big Ten. I don't see them losing. I think especially now with the, the last few games and like we talked about the rest of the season pretty much being sold out, the atmosphere at Carver is starting to get rowdy. Finally, it's finally happening. These fans are showing up. They're getting loud. That game against Illinois, I mean, it, there was definitely – a home court advantage there, and I think that's going to continue out throughout the rest of the year. But either way, we both have them at six and three, and at thirteen and seven overall. And I think that I think that's definitely uh, a, t- a double buy situation where they're a top four seed in the Big Ten. Totally agree. Okay, one last thing on Iowa hoops. I've talked about this before, and I think we both agree, Champ. And let me know if I'm wrong on this, but we, I think Spoko as a whole believes, and I think the Iowa fans believe that. The reason Iowa is so successful outside of having Luca Garza being at a player of the year type um, potential right now is that Fran McCaffrey hasn't been able to play with the full crayon box. 
He's got the basics. He's got black. He's got white, which I never really understood why he needed a white crayon, but he's got the white crayon. He's Made got no red. Sense to me either. He's got red. He's got blue. He's got green. And he's got like an orange. Macaroni and cheese, if you will. I believe they changed the name to it later in the day. But he doesn't have the fuchsias and the golds and the silvers. He's playing with a very basic toolkit right now. Going into next year, where all of us, I think, are already presuming Iowa has the potential to be a Final Four team and be probably one of the historically best Iowa basketball teams we've ever seen, he's going to have a full stable of players. His son comes back probably with a little bit more weight on him, a little more muscle, and we all anticipate him being a very good player in like a Utah but more athletic type role. We're getting a a couple, I think Aaron Eulis is a four-star player right now. Um, no, three-star. We have Josh uh, Ogundale, who's coming in, too. We have Jordan Bohannon maybe coming back. There's just going to be a plethora of players. Are you worried that this is going to be a negative in Fran McCaffrey's 2020-21 season? I'm not. I know you are a little bit. I mean, we talk, when we were talking during the Illinois game, and, and at one point in that game, I think our lineup consisted of, like, Everybody that are oh. the five guys on the court did not include Luca Garza, um, CJ Frederick, and Weezy. or CJ Frederick. It was a it was an ugly five guys out there, including Riley Till. I think was out there at that time. It was like the goon lineup that he put out there. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. But I think next year, even though he's going to have more guys to play with, let's say he has a nine or ten man rotation, I think the guys this year has have proven to Fran that they can play upwards of 30 to 35, even 35-plus at times minutes, and I think he's going to trust them to do that. A lot of these guys are going to be upperclassmen next year if they all come back, specifically Garza and Bohannon, both going to be seniors. Um, you know, Wheezy going to be a junior and, and, show, and so on and so, so forth. So I think he's shown that he can trust these guys to play big-time minutes, and I don't think it's going to be an issue where he's going to have, you know, too big of a rotation I think it's only going to help them, you know, if guys get into foul trouble, you won't have to be playing a Riley Till for five to seven minutes against a Maryland team. I think he's going to have more depth, and I think that's going to be a good thing for um, Coach McCaffrey. I ultimately agree. Jack Nunge is also one of those guys that's going to be coming back as well um, from the redshirt season so or medical redshirt season. So, yes, the minutes that – are currently going to the Cordell Pemsel, the Bakari Evelyn, the Riley Till, um, even Creener to a little less of extent because I think he's valuable, are going to be going to guys that actually have a little bit more talent, a little bit more ability in this offense and defensive system. So, yes, I think it's ultimately a good, good thing, but I just hope that Fran doesn't divvy up minutes too much. Like, keep going to the well. And the well right now is Luca Garza, Wieskamp, and C.J. Frederick, who is the swaggiest player that I've seen since Eric May, but he actually has talent unlike Eric May had. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was tremendous. We didn't even mention him in Illinois, talking about Illinois, but he was tremendous in that game. Showed a lot of balls. But didn't. Ha- I think he missed one shot the whole night. But going to the rack, hitting threes, he's going to be a tremendous player. Brad Underwood talked about him after the game, that he's going to be a problem for not only Illinois, but for the rest of the Big Ten over the next four years. 100%. All right, champ. I think that's a good place to close the book on basketball. Again, champ thinks that we're losing or that we lost last night. I think that we won. Make sure you beat him up for that because he has no faith. Oh, I hope they win. But if you ask me to make a prediction, I got to make a prediction. 
Beautiful. All right. So one thing that I really, really, really want to touch on, and I know that we're both not professionals with, is the Iowa Hawkeyes-Penn State duel from last Friday. I flipped this on thinking that I was probably just going to like watch a little bit of it and maybe it'll catch my attention. Maybe my wife ends up asking me to watch Bravo and I just let her have it and I fall asleep on the couch after a rough week. But I have not been so absorbed and so entertained by a sporting event like that in a very, very long time. What Iowa City does and what the University of Iowa does for their wrestling duels is unlike anything else. And I bring this up only because I live currently in New Jersey and slash Pennsylvania, which is like the hotbed for all of wrestling. So when I go into work, the first thing that people generally talk to me about is Iowa wrestling. Now, our entire team is basically PA guys. They're PA guys that spurned Penn State, who has basically kicked the shit out of us for seven straight years. Basically, ever since we left school, they skipped Penn State to go to Iowa City and go with Coach Brands and wrestle for the University of Iowa. And they had a big-time finish in the heavyweight uh, the finale to actually win that duel. I don't know how much of this you got to watch, Champ. But are you in on wrestling, and are we going to start covering this more on Spoko Radio moving forward? I think we should. I was out to dinner for much of the match. You got the group chat that we always refer to in this podcast was blowing up throughout dinner about you got you and Z and DC. I don't think got to watch, but was keeping up on his phone. And, yeah, they it was just blowing up, and you guys were going crazy about it. I got home to see the last two matches, and, damn, I was happy to get home to watch those. Absolutely awesome Iowa winning both of those matches to win the duel, like you said. The crowd was going nuts. I went When I was in school, I was fortunate enough only to go to one wrestling meet. We had Coach Brand on our then uh, school radio show uh, that week, so he hooked us up with some tickets. We were pretty much like right outside the mat watching. It was awesome. And in their like little intermission between the matches, he came by, slapped me on the ass. It was one of the coolest <laughs> things I've ever had happen. I to never me knew that. Was, you never told me that story. Yeah, it was so sweet. I mean, the guy came on our show, was the only coach ever to come on, you know, uh, KRUI radio at the time in Iowa City. Did a, an hour interview with a bunch of guys that didn't know much about wrestling. He was great with it, then invited us out to the next meet, and, yeah, gave me a nice slap on the ass in between, and it was great. And, yeah, I mean, I I think it should be, you know, more – it seems like now I was back, and they're going to start winning some national championships again. Like you said, they've gone on a six- or seven-year hiatus with Penn State just fucking dominating the sport, but now it's time for Iowa to get back. And, yeah, I would love to cover it a little more on Spoko Radio. I think it would be fun – the, having matches like that on TV for us to watch is great because obviously none of us live in Iowa City to get to go to a lot of these meets. So the more they uh, publicize it on Big Ten Network and whatever whatever other networks they have it on would be great and give us uh, something to talk about. 100%. Um, there are some duels coming up. I believe the Michigan uh, duel is going to be on Big Ten Network, Minnesota at Carver, and then – I was hosting Oklahoma State as well, February 23rd, I think. So we got a little while for that one. But I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State, if I have my facts correct, is another one of those national powers that have kind of traded with Iowa, at least back in the past. So I'm sure that's going to be lit up at Carver Hawkeye Arena. But this brings me to my bigger point that I wanted to make. We touched on it a little bit with basketball, but we trash Carver a lot. I trash Carver a lot. 
I trash Carver a lot because I've done a lot of work to try to get things the way they're supposed to be. But you fans who listen to this show have continuously showed up and have made Carver, despite the athletic department shitting in your face constantly, despite this (laughs) actual building being one of the worst structures for actual athletics, despite all of that, you guys continue to make Carver pop on the television and make it exciting for guys like me who are stuck on the East Coast watching from the TV, feel absorbed and feel like I'm a part of that game. So applause to you because whoever the people were that were sitting on their hands for the majority of the last several years, either you guys have kicked them out, made them feel like shit, or you have actually incorporated them into your fandom. So props to you guys. Yeah, for sure. I'm um, Like I said, Trying to go to the game on Saturday against Nebraska. I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully getting into Carver and uh, feeling some of that love with these fans. I mean, it's already sold out, so it's going to be uh, a raucous atmosphere against the Cornhuskers. Yes, it is. Things are very exciting with winter sports. There's also a little something that you want to touch on to end the show today, Champ. I think about uh, the Bluters Bunch. Yeah, the ladies' team. I mean, they lost their last game to Michigan, but a hell of a run before that. They won nine in a row in conference. Uh, They're also ranked in the top 20, just like the men's team, and they're doing a hell of a job. So shout-out to Lisa Bluter and the ladies. Continue to keep playing well. Uh, I think they're tied for first right now in the Big Ten. So, yeah, they're uh, they're doing a hell of a job, and uh, it's looking like they're for sure a tournament team and could do some damage again. They were an Elite Eight team last year, and who knows? They could even go maybe farther this year. Yeah, and this is a year after they lost their Luca Garza and Meg Gustafsson. So, yeah, this is just typical Elisa Bluter. Again, they need your support. Everything that you guys can do to support the women's basketball team continuously is it's just worth your time 100 percent. yeah and they they also had a great crowd uh last uh, like a week and a half ago for when megan gustafson got her uh, number retired that was another good crowd at carver they had a good support for that game pulled out the win and yeah continue going to watch the ladies and hopefully they keep winning Agreed. Champ, before we kick it off, I'm going to leave the the mic open to you. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end this uh, quick show this week? But we just want to make sure we jumped on and talked about the exciting basketball team. I'm just excited for these next couple games. Like you said, you, you guys will be listening into the future. We are recording on Tuesday, so I hope I'm wrong, and I hope they get the dub against Purdue, uh, and, you're li- and I'm eating crow. I'm fine to do that. And then, yeah, big home game against Nebraska. It would be great to you know go 2-0 this week and move up maybe into the top 15 in the rankings. Just keep moving up. That's the key. Just keep winning games, getting victories in the Big Ten, and improving that seeding not only for the Big Ten tournament, but the NCAA tournament as well. Hopefully Kinnick can keep bringing in, uh, victories for you guys. And if anybody out there has a ticket, please get Champ there. We need to r- really ruin his streak. I know you went to the Northwestern game and things went well there, but Champ, you have kind of a little bit of a curse to you. So if we can get you over it's there. Not re- it's not really with Iowa, though. With Iowa, I'm pretty solid. It's my pro teams that I have the curse on. I saw them beat Northwestern, their football team, and their basketball team. I know neither of those teams are very good, so maybe that's that's in and of itself. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm look, I got me and one of my buddies, Ruby, another loyal listener, going to try to go to the game. Z is actually going to be at the game as well. So, yeah, hopefully we can get out there. See an Iowa uh, victory against Nebraska. 
Yep, so two to three members of Spoko Nation are going to be there with all of you, so hook my guy up here. Um, Champ, it's time to say goodbye, hopefully with a big-time Purdue victory. For DC, for the People's Champ, I'm Jerry Sherwin. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Go Hawks! Trick or treat, Iowa City! If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.